Welcome to the RVA Returners Podcast, your newest source for all things Final Fantasy TCG. Why, why do they switch to the static pictures all of a sudden instead of the... It, it depends on like who, uh, like where the tournament is and like if they have a camera in front of them. Because I was, I was more impressed with how my man was not it's blinking good. for this entire time. <laughs> but what else I'm impressed with is that we're back for the next episode. Guys, welcome. Welcome back to the... This is episode nine yep. of the RVA Returners podcast. We're just we're just trucking right along. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, as always, I'm your host Chris Adams. With me, as always, is Adam Lane. Uh, still no Drew. Uh, I guess he's uh, I guess he's been real busy with the new job these last couple weeks. Or just schedule's been a little off. Yeah, he's been real busy with a lot of stuff. So yeah, I can understand yeah. that. You know, real life gets in the way. But uh, we're coming to you on Mother's Day. This is a special Mother's Day episode of the RVA Returners podcast. No, there won't be any mothers on the podcast because I don't think they'd understand what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, we do want to take a moment to recognize all the mothers in Final Fantasy lore, at least all the ones we can think of. Because as we were going through this, there's not many. Turns out it, it's mostly about like dads, like <laughs> daddy issues. Final Fantasy, daddy issues. There it is. But um, yeah, the only ones we came to mind the first, I think the low hanging fruit there was Genova. Yeah, Braun. Braun is another one. That's Garnett's stepmom, you were saying. Yeah. Uh, you see Cloud's mother. You see Titus' mother. A lot of them mother. are unnamed. Yeah, they're just like random there, or like they die, or, you know. It, it, it's just, it's, you know, so Square Enix, I doubt you're going to listen to this, but you know what? Show some moms some love and some Final Fantasy moving forward. Huh? Uh, is that too much to ask? Yeah. But, um,. But yeah, man, uh, you know, we took a week off last week. We had a lot going on. Um, I know I've been busy. Um, not so much with just work things, but I know, um, you know, I've been really going hard with uh, Magic right now. Dominaria has has its has its hooks in me. I'm I'm loving it. But uh, you, you did you go to Robin's wedding last week? I did. I was in Milwaukee. Ah, uh, Milwaukee. I believe that's Algonquin for <laughs> the good land. It was actually uh, the weather was pretty nice. It wasn't freezing cold. Nice. Uh, and then yeah. Other than that, like last week and a half, I've actually been playing a little bit more fighting games, but it's not like yeah. You won a, you won a Tekken tournament this week, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Yeah, that's well done, sir. Well done. Yeah, I mean Tekken probably the best fighting game out right now. I mean, at least I would think so. Anyway, the other stuff just uh had a lot of high hopes, and then we shot <laughs> it back down. But uh, but you know that's the wrong podcast for that. Yep. Um, but we're back. We're back in the flow of things. You know, um, tournament season is still there. You know, we got. I mean, we're not going to Toronto, but that's in, what, a week from now? Two weeks? Uh, I want to say it's the last weekend of this month. Yeah, so that's like two weeks from now. Then we've got, um, you know, I know we got the Zorn and Thorn Cup in, that's what, Which June 2nd? the week after Jeez. Toronto. And then in two weeks after, two or three weeks after that is Kansas City. Yep, which we still have to buy our plane tickets for. So oh, it's, it's happening. It's just... I just need to know, what the hell's in Kansas City that's causing flights to be so expensive? It's called the Richmond Airport. God, even Dulles, even Dulles is expensive, yeah. which blows my mind. But it's like, you know what's fun to do in Kansas City? Pack up and move. <laughs> I, mean, I, I kid for anybody living in Kansas City. It just seems like not so much a... Because when you look at flights to destination places, you would you, know, you can get why they're expensive. Like flights to Boston for packs. You know what? We get it while you're... Just flights to Boston in general. I get it. I don't. I don't understand why they're so expensive. Now, granted, you know it's going to be. You know, we got to do what we got to do because I definitely want to qualify for yep. nationals. That's yeah, I kind of. Sure. I kind of wish that I was going to Toronto um, because I, I think, and it's not like a knock on any, everybody that's going, but I, I do think it's probably going to be the easiest one to qualify for. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just because of it's a lot of things. Like one, you have to have a passport, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't have, so mm-hmm. I can't go. Uh, which I do need to get. I'm probably going to start the process this week. Yeah, definitely of getting one. Same. 
Because there's really no reason not to have one. Yeah, I'm, I'm 35 years old and been like, you know what? I need to get my passport done. It's like it's like on my list of like adult responsibilities that I've just been putting off for the last you know decade and a half. Yeah, and then I think other uh, on top of that, like it's not like a very easy place to get to, mm-hmm. but it's it might be cheaper than Kansas City. Honestly, it is a little bit closer for us. No, yeah, it is. But it's not sure. like that much closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have like at first that was on like part of that convention and then they kind of knocked it back to where you only have to have a one day pass which is kind of nice but yeah, cause it's still a bit more pricey than the other tournaments sure I know people were pretty heated about that initial con cost for that but, um, um, yeah I mean yeah so I mean a lot of different factors but I think there will still be some strong players there I just think that it comparatively won't be, yeah, yeah. sure and there's also been a lot of tournaments happening across the pond in the last couple ton, of weeks a like, a, like a lot like they're, they're in like they're in like just the the meat and potatoes of their like tournaments because all their regionals are happening and their nats is are very soon i think yeah. i read like i said i think i read that their nats are at the beginning of june so i think wow. i think the week that we'll be playing zorn and thorn cup i think is the week of their nationals Jeez. so things are happening real fast over there and happening very plentiful so it's been nice to see the you know the decks and results um i know um in the most recent episode of the choco bros podcast they were going over some of the lists and some results and stuff like that i was actually listening to that on my way over here yeah um those guys always do great work sam and zach you know keep up the great work we i love listening to you guys but um yeah, um, so that, that kind of leads us into, you know, the real heart of what we're talking about. And this is going to take up the majority of our podcast, and that is what we do to get prepared for a tournament. Everybody does it differently, um, but I think that, that it is a process. Um, I know the, you know, trust the process is what, what we're saying <laughs> here. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to it. Like, it starts with, you know, you know, seeing what the meta's looking like. Because, you know, I, I know in this game there is a, you know, there is a, what am I what am I trying to say here? People love to build their own brews in this game. Yeah. It's a lot more in this game than it is in other games per se. But, um. Well, okay, I and mean, this isn't, again, this isn't a knock on the game. I love this game mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but we definitely, like, our player base is smaller. Mm-hmm. So it lets you have room for that. And it makes your meta a bit less defined. Sure. Because the more people you have, it's like it's like attack by numbers kind of thing. Like the no, more sure. people you have, the more data you have, the more defined your meta becomes. Oh, absolutely. And the faster people figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that we don't have smart players that know how to figure shit out fast. It's just, like I said, we're not as popular as like some of the other bigger heavy yeah, like, like card games. Like a Magic games. or a Hearthstone. Yeah, I mean, like Hearthstone's crazy because it's a computer game, so everybody's just clicking and playing it, mm-hmm. you know. So you have like a lot of data at your fingertips, and so the meta gets flushed out really fast. Mm-hmm. Whereas Final Fantasy, like you'll see decks here and there, and something will still pop up like before a new set comes out. Yeah, you the, know. So I'll say the perfect example of that was probably in Opus Four. Like Mono Ice didn't really become. It was always there, but it didn't become like that meta-defining deck until really coming down the home stretch of the meta. And maybe that's just because the people that were playing it, maybe lists weren't getting shared or it wasn't getting the attention that it was. Even then, too, like you have the three areas, like you have America, you have like North America, you have EU, and you have Japan, Mm -hmm. which are like the big three areas that play. Australia, too, like they have a good player base as well. Mm and they're very different. At least, oh, Opus, yeah. actually, in Opus Five, it's starting to come together. Like you're starting to see a lot of the same stuff being played across all that. three regions. Mm-hmm. In Opus Four, that was not the case. No, not at all. Um, and I think EU was like on the mono ice train very early, mm-hmm. and they, I think they've been on the mono ice train for a while. Um, but like we were still like playing a lot of water over mm-hmm. here, and like 
toward yeah, even like during the whole thing during Opus Four. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then Japan was like mono fire. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. We're, we're, mono fire <laughs> with like three other colors. And okay, mm-hmm. you got it, man. You know what you know what you're doing. So, but I think you're starting to see more like people playing the same things across all, everywhere. Well, um, that and I think more people are because uh, the player base is growing. You know, I, I wish there were some hard numbers about what it was a year ago compared to now. People are paying attention to what's happening in other metas. And, you know, and, be, and I guess that might be a catalyst for the similarities because people are seeing, oh, over in, over in Europe they're playing this type of deck. Well, you know, let's try that over here or, you know, talk through it. See, why is that good? You know, it, and more people are picking up on that and they're playing that particular archetype. There might be a card or two difference, but at the end of the day, the core of the deck is doing the same thing. Yep, and I, I will say, like, FF decks and, like, Mognet and stuff like that really, like, help you mm-hmm. see those things. Absolutely. Um, and they have a lot of, like, good things on those sites that let you see, like, what's winning, the mm-hmm. like, the ratios of cards and all that stuff. Absolutely. Um, and it helps. I mean, I wish there was more mm-hmm. stuff like that out there. Absolutely. And I wish, like, we had just had more results on there in general. But I think it's getting a lot better. It is. It is. I know we are. We're, we're getting pretty good about posting any results we have locally. Not that I'm saying that the the Richmond local meta is going to define the game, but I think if more people are doing that, it gives people more looks at things. And you know, it maybe something that somebody tried will be like, or some, something that somebody built will inspire you to maybe build something that could become meta defining. Mm-hmm. But that's typically where it starts. So you know the you no know, told you all that to tell you this. You know the meta is what's going to determine really where you start. You know, you're testing because you, you can homebrew till you're blue in the face. You go to a major tournament, the, if the big decks, you're going to see them. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you what you feel about, oh, I don't like the net deck, I don't like the meta. Well, guess what? You want to be in a tournament, you want to play in a tournament, you're going to see these decks and you better know how they work and you better know how to interact with them. Yep. Um, and so that's the first step. Understanding the meta is where you need to begin. Yeah, and I think like yeah, like like you said, like knowing what the top decks are, mm-hmm. and knowing how whatever your deck choices are interact with those decks, as well as maybe just like some wonky interactions in general. Absolutely. But you should at least know how to deal with like you know what what's considered tier one and probably most of what's considered tier two. But that gets kind of like foggy in this game. It can get very foggy. So. And, and then the next step is you know and I and you know I call it the next step, but it's also kind of the the initial first step is what kind of player are you. Do you like more aggressive strategies? Do you like more mid-rangey? Do you like more tempo-y strategies? Do you like to play more control decks? Because that's going to determine the you know where you land as far as what you're going to play. Yeah, and I'll even say this too. There's also like outside of like what types of decks you like to play. There's also like mindsets that people put themselves in, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, like you got like players that like myself. I'm gonna play whatever the fuck gives me the best chance to win. Sure. Um, but I have to also be comfortable on it. So like, mm-hmm. and, and that goes along with be, having the best chance to win. So it's like you know, putting in the reps, mm-hmm. uh, being comfortable on the deck. Is the deck good? Like the deck has to be good for mm-hmm. me to play it. Um, and then you know, there's people that might not necessarily want to play the best. There's I think there's also like a category of players that have stigmas toward like certain cards, certain types. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like even you for a little like you don't want to play lightning. You know, no, like, not at all. Certain things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's not just you. There's other players like oh, that yeah. too. Like I'm sure there's people that are like fuck ice. Oh yeah. I'm never gonna play ice. You know. But I'll tell you right now, if um, if push came to shove, and if if mono lightning, even though mono lightning is one of the best decks in the game, if it was like the best deck in the game, 
there's a good chance I'd I'd get over that to play it because if that gives me the best chance to win, yeah, I'll at least humor the idea. I'll at least test it, play against it. So if I don't play it, I know how to beat it. Yeah, and it, it, the thing is, I, I think in this game, at least right now, it's hard for a deck to get to that point. I think it's very true. I think I think the game like the game's very well balanced. So like. I don't think it's ever going to come to the point where, like, one deck is, like, the end-all, be-all. Yeah, because I think at that point, the game's going to have a huge problem. If, if you go if you roll up to a tournament and and repeatedly the same deck is making up five or six of the top eight, or it's making mm-hmm. up, you know, 50 to 60% of the field, then they're going to have to start looking at bands, restrictions, maybe format rotations. Like it, it, But right now, like, that's not an issue. Are there some really strong cards? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Minwoo's stupid. Alcid's stupid. Uh, Cognazzo's really stupid. Alua's um, uh, really stupid. But like yeah. these, like these cards are, they're not. They're not going to just win. They're they're not going yeah. to make the deck you're playing just unbeatable. Yeah, or, you know, like I they guess win I'm you games. Yeah, they win you games. They're really strong cards, and they're strong for a reason. Mm-hmm. But they don't like. Like, there's reasons to play other things, too. Yes, And I think absolutely. that's how you create balance. And there's ways to beat those cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, some of them are pretty oppressive in the right deck. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, like... I don't think it's gotten to the point in this game where it's like, I gotta play this card mm-hmm. to win a tournament. Right, but you need to know what those cards do. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the big thing. So if you're sitting across from an opponent who's got mono... They're playing mono water, be it monsters, big water, whatever. You know when the Cognazzo turn is coming. Like, you know. So you need to do what you can to prepare for that, be it with having some kind of answer to respond to the Scholar Bump or have something, you know, to respond to its coming into, you know, know, stacking his ability so you can deal with him before that ability goes off. Like, really understanding the sequencing or, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. being able to have an answer for those cards and knowing when it's coming. That's when the reps come in. Getting the reps in with the deck, playing the matchups. Yep. So you can see the the puzzles kind of coming together. And a lot of this, it, it, it's theory before you start putting cards to table. A lot well, of there, it is... There's a ton of theory. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a game where we put cardboard on the table that has text on it. Like, you know, I mean, I, I come from... I mean, I've played card games, and then I switched mm-hmm. to fighting games, and now I'm back to card games. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fighting games, there's tons of theory, too, but there's also a lot of unknown... Because oh, yeah. you're not on the screen when you're talking theory. Like, I could Absolutely. talk a matchup all day in a fighting game, but you still have to put it on the screen. Yep. In, in a card game... It, it's technically all theory you know if you think about it it's just about playing to your like when you're playing the game it's more about like playing to your house knowing what cards are oh, left in your deck all that stuff um, but it's not to me it's, it's a lot different than a fighting game but there are similarities well, yeah, like the, the mindset has to be the same as far as like knowing like when you start talking matchups and this stuff like you gotta look at like say you take mono ice versus fire ice put those two decks at their most optimal build mm-hmm. and put them in the hands of the two best players yep How's that matchup going to go? Is it going to be a 5-5? Five, five? Is it going to be a 6-4? Is it going to be a 7-3? Just because of the nature of the cards. But then what happens there is you start taking variance into account. Um, you know, what if you know this ice deck has all the tools to beat that, but they just never draw? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where it is hard. And and then, yeah, another thing you have to understand, too, is in a card game, like, you just you can't win every game. That's it's true. Not, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to understand, like, if you lost a game, like, you know, what could you have done differently? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you could have done differently? Did you just not do the cards oh, yeah. that you needed? They drew the nuts. You didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it can totally happen. It, hap- you know, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, uh, you know, if you'll sit across your opponent, they'll play something, and you're just like, yeah, I have no answer for that. Yeah, like, perfect example was on Tuesday in our local. My, my one loss was to Ron. 
he just opened up with a very strong opener, and I just could not keep up. And he he just had all the he had all the right tools at all the right times, so he just just rolled over me. And yep. you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah, you just have to you just have to know that, especially in a game that's best of one. So you know, we're, we're, we're it sounds like we're rambling, but we're putting it all together because this is a lot to think about when you start putting a deck together for a tournament. Just these little nuances, like all right, how great, how good is my deck in a best of one? What answers do I have for these other decks that thrive in a best of one? Um, you know, then what about okay? You know, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but you also want to make sure that it can compete in a two out of three as well. You know, like yeah, yeah. there's a lot of things you have to think about. What interactions do I have with deck A, deck B? Deck, there's so much that you have to think about in going into construction. And again, cards haven't even hit the table yet at yeah. this point. I mean, to, and to the point of like the best of one, the best of three thing, I think most decks that perform well in best of one tend to also do okay in best of three. Mm-hmm. There are decks that are better in best of three, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, decks that rely more heavily on certain draws. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I, I think the way this game works and like the way you have to win... generally (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh you know like best of one best of three as far as like tiering stuff out i don't think it would change like the tiers that much i agree with that um there are a few decks that i would probably put bump up if it was best of three format sure sure but um not a whole i wouldn't say there's a whole lot of variance there but there are there are decks that you prey on the fact that you know you don't know what i'm playing exactly and you don't have a game to figure it out Yep, and that's one of the reasons um, to go back to Ohio. That's one of the reasons I audibled onto Fire Ice because it was super fast. A meta, st- yeah. I, I pretty much kind of took the fourth wall route in this game. I didn't care about what decks were being played. I knew a deck that I knew how to play. It was fast. It was aggressive. I just took a couple. I, I literally had five cards in the deck. No, one, two, three, four, six cards in the deck from the new set because they complemented the deck I was already playing. Yep. And I just proceeded to roll over stuff because they didn't they didn't know how to react. But then in a two out of three situation, it, you know, I lost my top four match because you know a couple matches like all right, cool, I, I I know how to react to this now, or I know what to do, and you know what I mean, like yeah. So sometimes you have a deck that can prey on that. There's yeah. also certain decks too that work the opposite way. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like um, like you could play a very aggressive play and not know what your opponent's playing, but that can also be a bad thing. Oh, yeah, they flop that Odin over on the, on that first point of damage, Odin, and you are set back Or like Stadio, Levi- or... Yeah, Leviathan setting you back further at that point. Oh, yeah. There's cards that work against that as well. But sometimes, you know, again, they just don't have it. It's a card mm-hmm. game, so... Yeah. And, that, and, that's part, and that's part of what you have to think about when you start putting decks together. So now we're at the point... Well, we, we've kind of... We, we've got... We see the meta... We see what we should be expecting moving forward. Nothing new's coming out. Like it's not like you're going from like this tournament's an Opus Five, this one's op- Opus Six. Although that does happen. But... That does happen with Gen Con, so we'll, we'll we'll burn that bridge when we get to it, right? But um, so it's a matter of you know you, you know what the meta is, you see what people are playing. Now you got to figure out what it is you want to play. Like that's that's the next step. Like what what deck what cards do you think can interact with the most? Like for example. When Opus 5 came out, and I saw a lot of these cards, um, Fire Ice was where I started, but I really, really wanted to be on Mono Earth because it was a very safe pick, and turns out a lot of people are on that because it has a lot of answers to a lot of things, and it can play at very different paces. And that's evident by the way the meta is kind of shaped up here. You're seeing Mono Earth... All across the all across the world, you're seeing it's winning in Japan. It's you know it's making up majority of fields and winning in you know over in the 
in Europe, it's making up, it's making huge splashes here in America. Yeah, the funny thing is too, and I was like, again, I don't, I don't want to ramble too much, but the, the thing to think about too is, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's probably the most popular deck right now mm-hmm. in the competitive scene. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also think it's the most underperforming deck. But it's also because there's so many people on it. I agree. So like, if you look at like the like two weeks ago the EU tournament where there was like I think. I want to say it was like 70 people there or something like that. Mm-hmm. And half the and field. Or... 21 or 25 people were on mm-hmm. Earth somewhere in that range. Oh, yeah. And none of them made top eight. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, you got to think about things like that, too. And then, like, Mono Earth is very safe. It's like, a I, super safe build. Yeah, I think it's a very safe deck to bring. But at the same time, too, uh, a lot of people know it's kind of in your deck. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to be, like, kind of... Um, there are a few cards that... And we'll get into this later, like, tech, teching and stuff. Mm-hmm. That can be surprises, but I don't think Mono Earth is really like that surprising. I guess there's a few different builds, but mm-hmm. yeah. And I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. Because you're absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct, and that's what makes it. That's what makes it a lot harder than it thinks. But now, granted, we're we're having a lot of dialogue, but a lot of this is happening in your head. You know what I mean? Like when you're looking at cards, you look you're looking at tournament results. You're like, oh wow, that's really cool. Huh, I wonder how that performed for that deck. Like, you'll see a, a mono ice list, and they're running, like, two or three of a particular card, and you're like, huh, I never thought of that. I wonder how that performed. Then you start looking at the other decks and, like, the met, the breakdown of the list at the tournament, you're like, now I get why that's there. Mm-hmm. So you start thinking about that. Maybe that's something you want to try. And then, then once, you, once you've gotten to the point where, like, all right, these are the decks I'm playing. Like, for example, for me, I've got three decks that I'm really honed in on right now, and that's Fire Ice, Water Ice, and Mono Earth. Those are my three decks for Opus 5, for the remainder of Opus 5, and those are the three that I'm really taking the time to really, you know, play. Now, right before Kansas City, I'm going to, you know, Toronto is going to be a huge, um, it, it's going to kind of set the pace for what I think Kansas City is going to be. And I know that's different regions, so the meta may be different. But if, if there's some decks that perform very well in Kansas uh, in uh, Toronto, You'll you can them. expect to see them in Kansas City. And uh, and same thing, I expect some of the decks that we've seen in this uh, in these last couple spring cups in these European tournaments, oh, some yeah. of these Japanese tournaments, I can, I'll bet you you know a steak dinner that you're going to see a bunch of those in Toronto. It's because these decks are established, they're performing well. So if you're not on them, you better know how to beat them, or yeah. you better be playing a deck that can give you the best chance. At beating these various decks, but also doesn't just get dumpstered by some, you know, first round Scatacombs <laughs> deck. Yep. Yeah, and I mean that's another type of player that you, you can't really prepare for, but they exist. Where it's like, uh, people are gonna play cards. Like there are players that are just like, oh, people think this card's bad. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna play it. I'm gonna build around it. Yep. Um, and try to figure it out. And as much as I hate to say it, like generally those players are gonna have a hard time <laughs> making, oh, no. making it out of, like into a cut. But I mean, they're there and they're gonna they want to try to prove their point. Oh, absolutely. And I, I understand. And sometimes, sometimes you just have to you have to be prepared for that. But uh, that's when it's gonna come down to not just the deck choice, but also you know you as the player putting in the reps and knowing what the cards can yeah. do. Like if someone vomits out a bunch of like, for example, a, an archetype that still exists but it's not popular, it's still very fringe, is like the vomity shell kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, what do they do when you just windmill slam a dot of luma on turn one? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, like then they have to play around that, but like you have to have the wherewithal to be like, okay, I'm gonna take some damage. But I need I need to roadblock this and be like, you know you have to really start thinking about your deck construction like right, what do I have in my deck that can beat this strategy and vice versa you know, that something else happens yeah. well what do I have in my deck that can beat this um, 
but that's what makes, again, the best of ones kind of hard because you have to mulligan into something that you can work with. Yeah. Um, you know, you want you want, you want want lands and spells pretty much is when you mulligan. You want to have some two drop backups. You want to have some some forwards you can play, maybe some some interaction, some Yeah, removal. usually I think the key is like if, if you have a turn one and turn two play, most of the time you're okay. Yep. But it, it, it depends. I mean, it really depends on your deck. It's true. Some decks really want to see certain things. And again, best of one, can't really mulligan for the matchup because... Mm-hmm. You don't know unless you just happen another player. Exactly, exactly, and that's sometimes that's why it's hard to test in a local meta. Um, like for example, like me and Adam, we can test each other, test against each other, total blue in the face, but we know our tendencies. Um, he knows I'm a very aggressive player, so I'm gonna. I'm and I also I've said this before on the podcast. I come from the camp of I'm gonna make you have it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it, you just lose. But if you do have it. Chances are I'm not going to be able to recover. I'm a very high risk, high reward kind of guy, and I'm, I'm like that in Magic. That's actually my my one loss at this last FNM was because of that. I was like, well, I've got enough to kill you, even with that blocker. If you've got to settle the wreckage, I just lose. Mm-hmm. Well, there's sometimes Do you where have you, it? there's sometimes where you have to make that decision. Exactly. And some people will make that decision when they don't have to because they're making a read. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that go into it. And that's like a whole different thing. That's like. Hey, we could. I could do a whole podcast on that. Oh, too. just on making reads, absolutely. Uh, just like you know, different how different players make different reads and how how to appropriately try to make reads and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, and that's where it comes into testing too. Mm-hmm. Is like testing against these decks, mm-hmm. and then from testing, changing your deck accordingly, understanding like why why this deck didn't do as good when we played these five matches. Exactly. Um, and, and that's what you have to give yourself too. You know, while the tournaments are best of one, you have to play. You've got to grind out the matchups. Like if if if, you, if mono ice is still a big threat, you need to play mono ice until you're just tired of seeing those cards. I mean, I'll I'll go back to Charlotte, right, where I was testing like only that deck, the, mm-hmm. the one that I ended up playing. Like that was like it. Like I knew that was what I was going to play. I didn't even bring another deck to play, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think I would ever do again. Like I I always like to at least bring like no, a I will always deck. bring two. I will always bring two decks. But uh, but but I was pretty much like sold. I was going to play that deck. And through testing, we tested a lot, mm-hmm. and I felt pretty confident. And mm-hmm. but the one thing that I tested terrible against was Mono Wind. Mm-hmm. And this is Opus Four, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, "Man, this tests terrible against Mono Wind." But I'm not going to tech for that deck. Yeah. Because I, how many people are going to be playing that in the field? Mm-hmm. Now I ran into it in the tournament, but at the same time I ran into it and didn't tech for it. But I was prepared for it mm-hmm. because I had played it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know, between me and Matt, we had played a ton of games, and he made some plays that I think Matt would have shut me down, but he mm-hmm. obviously hadn't played against my deck. Exactly. So I like you know, even though I felt like I was behind at the like before we even drew our cards, mm-hmm. I was able to like do things because I think he didn't understand the matchup as well as I did, right. and I was able to do other things because I understood the matchup more than he did. Right. You you knew what cards to play around. You knew you knew when you could kind of go a little more all in or when you had to hold back and take the damage and, and that's again that's why I can't stress enough knowing the deck knowing the big decks and even the tier two decks like n- at least knowing what cards are in them and that's super super important and, and to go back to what you just said I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I was going to bring me to my next point there's no sideboards in this game so you have to prepare for as many matchups as possible but also you need to be aware that there's going to be some matchups that you know I because what do you do? Do you tech a lot for this one deck and leave yourself vulnerable for the rest of the field because you're so afraid of this one deck? Or do you just know that 
that deck's hard to play. No one's going to play that. This, that, and the other. Like, this is a different kind of deck that, you know, it's really going to rely on the skill of the pilot. I might have, I might put maybe a card or two that can help me interact with certain decks better. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'm sticking to my game plan. I know this does well against this deck. It does well against this deck. It gives me a favorable matchup against this deck. That is four of the five top decks in the game. I think I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like it's a ma- you can't just you don't want to leave yourself vulnerable. I would you know it's, it's the you know it's the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few kind of thing. Yep. And I mean I like just to throw this in there like obviously like if you're planning on heading to Toronto or whatever like mm-hmm. you better be prepared for mono lightning. You better mm-hmm. be prepared for mono ice. Mm-hmm. Earth ice is like pretty much in a lot of places now. Yep. Um, uh, mono water. Mo- um, any mono water typically I would probably say Fasoya right now. Yep. That seems to be really popular. Um, Fire Ice is picking up steam. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's everywhere. winning a lot. It's it's. Um, I, I see it like in top eights at least most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mono Earth obviously. Yep. Uh, is a big deal. Like I'd say the big three are that you would hundred percent have to be prepared for is Mono Earth, Mono Lighting, Mono Ice. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like you should be prepared to deal with any any type of card that's going to come from those three decks, even like the one offs mm-hmm. that like you would need to be prepared for. Like yep. And, like be and, prepared for that backup destruction Hecatonche, even if it's not there. Like. Be aware that if you've got a three-drop backup or higher, like your anthems, yep. just be aware that thing could get blown up any second. So I'd say like I would gear my tech choices toward those oh, absolutely. three that help me improve matchups. And then, absolutely. I mean, while we're already talking about tech choices now, it's like you want to make your matchups better without making a ton of your matchups worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I think the way you do that in this game is uh, one-ups, kind of. Yes. Like your tech choices end up being one-ups. I mean, look at like Okimoto's list from Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those were obviously, like, he wanted to have those cards because they did something in certain matchups, and he had ways to search pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm just going to make put them in as a one-of. Yep. I mean, that's not something. I wouldn't do that many one-ofs. Mm-hmm. That's just a personal thing. But I understand why he did it. Oh, absolutely. And it makes sense. Um, and, yeah, like, you want to like you want to prepare toward those bigger decks. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like, you see Lightning now. Like, Lightning's running Exodus because they need answers to certain things. It's, like, it's really good against Earth. Mm-hmm. It kills Kamlinot after he's changed, which is a big deal. Yep. Um, and then you know it's it's not bad against other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a, it's not really a dead card. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it helps you against that matchup and that specific card that sees a lot of play. So. Mm-hmm. And then you also got to think about too. You know, Opus Four brought us monsters. Monsters are all over the place. Um, but also they're not all over the place. Like that. Like that, that's that's I'd, I'd call monsters tier one, but also kind of fringe. They're kind I, of. I would say that that's probably the hardest one of the hardest decks to really prepare for because if you tech too much, because like like again, and I think like I said this on the last podcast, it's like it's the, those cards that deal with those cards effectively, like the most effectively, are narrow. And they only deal with those. So they become dead. Mm-hmm. Those cards become dead in other matchups. Um, and you don't want that. You don't yeah. want too much of that. You, you, may, you maybe could put in one or two, but at that point, like, why, you know? Exactly, because chances um, are you're not going to see them. Unless you have a way to search them out, you're not going to see them. Yeah. So, like, you really have to be prepared. But also, too, like we said last week, monster, and that's why, you know, Monsters isn't all over the place, because the biggest hurdle is playing the deck itself. Yeah, it's, it's a hard deck to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, That's why I switched from Earth, water, mo- water Earth Monsters at, in Charlotte to Earth Ice, because I, I couldn't play that deck effectively. I didn't know how to play the right lines. So I was like, I'm gonna play a deck that I know how to play. Yeah. And I and I felt like my I did better because of it. So. Yep. But so so now we're narrowing it down. We're thinking about tech choices. We're building decks at this point. 
Yeah. This is where we're at. We've narrowed it down. I said I've got my three decks that I that I've I'm playing, but there's always room for teching. So now now you're playing matches. Now you're testing against each other. Now these matches you're playing like you're playing legit matches, but you're your testing group. You're also talking through stuff. Oh yeah. Like we'll like you know we'll play a game and it's like hmm, like I've got this. Let's do, then we, we start talking about this interaction. All right, well, cool. Well, you've got that on your side of the board. I'm going to play this. What do you do against that? Like, I have to assume you have this before I even do that. Or I assume that you don't have. You know what I mean? Like, you start talking through the scenarios that, the, the ones that are most likely to come up, plus ones that are like, hmm, that's a real wonky interaction. I wonder, maybe I know something that my opponent might not know with this interaction. You know yeah. what I mean? So you you kind of hedge your bets there because, you know, it, it, you're, you're not so much, you're also, you're not, just remember, because you're not just playing against the deck, you're also playing against the player. And the, the human error is there. Misplays are very, very real. So if you do something, they might not know how to react to it, and they may misplay because they don't they don't know what's going on. Like they, like you, you maybe do something like maybe a sequence weird, but you know you know what you're doing, but yeah. they don't. I mean, and again, I'll, I'll cite back to Charlotte. Same mm-hmm. matchup, right? Uh, I was playing against the wind guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I already knew that my matchup is bad. Um, I intentionally held Earth cards. Mm-hmm. I did not pitch them when I should have. Like, if I was playing you or Matt or something and you knew what deck I was playing, mm-hmm. I would have pitched them because it just made more sense to pitch to mm-hmm. pay for other things. Yep. I intentionally held, like, multiple Earth cards that I could have played in certain situations to force him to overextend into a Shantota. Yep. Because if he just sees water on my side of the field, like, why Why would he Why, why, would he why give? Yeah, why give away what you're playing? Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, there's things like that. And, again, when, once you get to, like, the two out of three, that... A lot of those things, that's like a one-game trick. Yeah, some of that goes out the window. But, but yeah, I mean, it's just something that you have to be aware of. Um, And that could happen to you while you're playing, too. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of times now, I'll try to figure out, like, when I see certain cards that I'm like, okay, that's weird that you're playing ice and I see that card. Like, maybe you're playing another element. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of stuff like that. But it's it's tough. Oh, absolutely. But then the other thing, too, is then... So you're testing, you're having matches, you're winning some, you're losing some, but then you're going to hit a point where you get frustrated. Like, you're playing a deck that it does well against so many things, but then you say you just keep getting dumpstered by Mono Earth. Mm-hmm. Shit. What, then you start thinking, what am I doing wrong? Is my deck choice bad? Um, what can I do to, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know, I'm 6-4 against Mono Ice, I'm 6-4 against Mono Water, but I am fucking 0-10 against Mono Earth. What do you do? That's the next step. you got to figure out either, A, you know, what cards in that deck are giving you a problem. Is it the EX burst on the damage? Is it, um... Is it wool? Is it the Hecaton chairs? So at that point, you have to look at the deck you're playing and say, all right, what can I do to interact better or to have an answer for the cards that are beating me in this deck? And then, then it's back. Then once you have that, it's back to the table. And yep. not you don't just play the Earth matchups again. You have to play the other matchups too. So you, those changes don't sacrifice, you know, what you're doing in those matchups as well. So. There's several layers of testing. And then when you finally hit that happy medium, like me, I'm content with the deck when it tests well against the majority of the field. And if I lose, if I lose to maybe a deck, it's like, all right, you know what? Again, I'm not gonna he- I'm, I'm gonna hedge my bets. Like for a perfect example was in uh Boston, uh the fire ice matchup versus mono ice, like I wasn't terribly comfortable with it because if I overextend, they're just gonna strip my hand. I will guess how many mono ice decks I ran into that day. Zero. Yep. Zero. So the one matchup I was afraid of, 
I never even saw. But the matchups I was comfortable against, oh, I saw all day long because I was like, well, this should be, you know, pretty good. I mean, granted, yes, I, I lost to you. You're still going to lose because sometimes you just don't draw what you need. And sometimes you just get blown away by something you weren't expecting. But point is, you know, you don't you can't prepare for everything, but you need to prepare for as much as you can without sacrificing the consistency of the deck. And yeah. then once you hit that point, once you hit that point... You, you you pick another deck. If you find you know because I, I I am a I am a firm believer of taking at least two decks to a tournament with you, just in case, just in case because uh, we like to we like to call the old Adams Audible around here. But um, so about you, Adam. Like my mindset is I'm I'm and no great in this get in this deck it's like you know what I'm gonna play a deck with Final Fantasy six characters in it. Like that's typically where I where I start because the cards are good. I know how they interact. I know the best times to play them. And then I'll start there. Then I'll start testing matchups. Then, you know, like I would say my top two decks right now are Fire Ice and Mono Earth. Uh, they both put up very good results for me. Um, and I know them. And I know how they interact with the matchups. So chances are these are the decks I'm taking with me to Kansas City. Uh, spoiler alert. But that doesn't matter. I, you need to be able to deal with it. Yeah. Like I know how to deal yeah. with your deck. I mean, no one, no one when you're sitting across only helps you with so much. You know? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's just not the play. Yeah, and sometimes the decks are just that good. Yeah, and I feel like Earth and and like even Fire Ice, like they're they're good enough to where like, okay, yeah, if I'm sitting across from you and I know what you're playing, like that's cool. You know, like I mean, I played like uh, well, Sam caught me off guard in Charlotte the first game we played because I, yeah. I didn't wasn't expecting me all he was on, but I knew what he was playing the second time and oh, the yeah. third time. Oh yeah. Um, but I still lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like I could, I can't, you know. And he still played really well. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. <laughs> like, yep, because after the point you're playing the decks, you're also playing the uh, players. Because yeah. you, you know, like, the, these Crystal Cups, you're going to be in a room full of killers. Yeah. So, like, you know, you have to go in knowing that, like, even in that first round, unless they give you an audible cue like, oh, hey, I'm new to the game or something. They, they give you something silly that's like, wait a minute. Like, you have to assume that they're, they're a killer in their own right. Like, yeah. You know, I don't know I don't know what results they put up in their logo. They, we could be, I could be playing against somebody I from, mean, in, I don't know. In the tournament, in a, in a big tournament like that, I'm sorry, but it's like karate kid mentality at that point. Oh, like, yeah. I'm sweeping the strike leg. Strike hard, strike fast, <laughs> no mercy, sir. You're damn right. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's a tournament. I'm there to win. Um, yep. And that's that's how I'm going to have to do it. It doesn't matter if, if someone sits down to me across from me like, hey, go easy. Uh, this is my first time. Like, I'm sorry that oh, you this picked is, the wrong I'm sorry place. this is your first tournament. Yeah, you picked the wrong play. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll jam with you when the when the match is over. I'll sit there and talk <laughs> with you all day long afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, at that point, you are you are the enemy for that 30 minutes. And, yeah, I mean, uh, even if it's one of us, if it's you, if it's Matt, it's, it's oh, yeah. know, for, for that round. Like, that's oh, yeah. Like, and, and, if I, and here's the thing, too. Um, be really, you know, and if you, you have... You have the time. Thirty minutes is a lot of time. It doesn't sound like it when you compare it to other games, but unless you are intentionally slow playing, you have time to think about your card choices. You have time to look at what's on the board before you make a play. So you, you know, being able to keep your misplays to a minimum is how you're going to win. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like a very silly, like a John Madden thing. Oh, mm-hmm. whoever makes the least mistakes is going to win. Well, no shit. But sometimes people get so caught up in the time. Because um, I know it is a fine line. It is a fine line from playing slow just to drain time off the clock to put your opponent on tilt and to legitimately make plays. Like, like if, some, if my opponent's sitting there like they're putting cards down, like doing mag, they're clearly thinking about the next step. But if they're just sitting there like flicking their cards and just kind of staring off, you, clearly you're playing slow. So... 
you know, and that can put somebody on top. I know that that's, that's kind of an off-topic thing, but like that that goes into the mentality of I right, playing the game because again, you've got your deck, you're there, you're test, you're te- you're there at the tournament, and then this guy's just going to put you on tilt, which is going to cause you to just go into a downward spiral. No matter all the testing you've done, everything you've done at this point is going to get thrown out the window. Yeah, I you mean, know what I mean, and I mean that is kind of part of tournament prep a little bit. Like, uh, you can you have to be prepared. Like, you can't let a loss just like send you to the dumpster like yes like i said before it's a card game mm-hmm. you're going to lose yeah it's going to happen mm-hmm. um very rarely does someone go undefeated the entire if day. you went undefeated good job yep. you, you probably played really well um mm-hmm. you know and that's great uh but you better still be ready for top eight <laughs> yeah and then you better be ready for the next tournament because <laughs> yeah. you got the target on your back at like that you point. can't you can't go to a tournament expecting to go all the way through to win and not lose at all like, in two out of threes, you're probably going to win a lot of two ones, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, um, and my big thing is, and this is my mentality, I just need to get to the top cut. Because once I get to the cut, it's a whole new tournament. And, yeah. that, and that's how I like to look at it. I, I, you know, I, I see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, but for me, when I go to a tournament, the light at the end of the tunnel is whatever the cut is. I need to be good enough to make the cut. I don't, I don't need to be top seed. I don't care if I squeak in at number 15. Yeah, I don't care either. Yeah. If I make the top cut... You better be ready because that's what happened at the uh, the the winner box. I I squeaked into top eight. I was what three and two. Mm-hmm. Like I think I was the seventh or eighth seed. Made it to grand finals because I had a brand new tournament. All everything that happened in Swiss didn't matter anymore. We've got a fresh tournament in front of us. So, you know, and that's all. That's then that again having that mindset. Don't put the cart before the horse. Play your matchups as they come, and that's you know, and that's why you're testing. You're testing to know these matchups as you play them. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, and again, like at the so at that point, like you know, you're you're, you're like you're you've decided on one deck at this point, like you know mm-hmm. what you're taking, um, and then after the tournament, like you have to like there's still stuff to be done after the tournament. So yep, there's a lot more assessment. So oh. you've taken your deck, say you te- say it tested very well, but say you go there's seven rounds of Swiss, say you go three and four, say you know all the testing you did it just didn't work out that time. The next step is to figure out what you did wrong. You know where you made the mistakes. It's not that you know you know. It's not that you just got outplayed. I have a hard time believing you got outplayed four out of seven matches. You know what I mean? Yeah. You made mistakes somewhere along the line, either in deck choice, evaluating the meta, or sequencing in the way you played your cards. You know what I mean? Like you can you can trace back. You know, if you're a good player, you can trace back why you lost to a particular event. And, and you know, but then again, I know I said earlier that sometimes you do your opponent just draws the nuts, and yeah, they yeah. have the answers. But you know what? That's going to be a lot few and fewer and far between. Well, that should also be your last thing that you think about. Like, mm-hmm. like at first you should be like, okay, could I have done anything differently mm-hmm. to win that? Should I, did I need to play my cards this way? Should I have played it this way? And then after you've after you've gone through everything, then yep. you can be like, okay, he just drew better than me. Yeah. Um, he had more answers than I had, mm-hmm. and I couldn't deal with certain things, and I feel like I played as best as I could. Mm-hmm. I still like to think that there's still a few things that you could have done. Like, I try to figure that out for myself. As, as soon as I lose a match, that's the first thing I do. Yeah. That's the first thing I do. So, and I mean, that, that goes with, with testing, too. It's, it's You do that when you test, also. Because so it'll, make, it'll make this, if you do this during testing, it'll make this situation a lot easier. You yeah. know what I mean? 
Because say say in testing, uh, you know, we're, you and I are playing a match in testing, and I beat you, and you know you know why immediately. That happens again, like in tournament. You're like, yep, I've seen this before. There's nothing I can do. You yep. got me. Shit. I, I, you know, or you're like, if I'd have seen this card instead of this one, I could have dealt with that on the spot. You yep. know what I mean? Like there, 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 there's a bunch of means to a bunch of ends. Well, and the thing you is, will find them. especially in this game, you can usually go back to some some mistake that you made because oh, yeah, this game have, is unforgiving. Sometimes. You could have pitched something three turns prior that set you up for something three turns later that you couldn't do because you pitched that card. Yep. Um, you know, I've done it a couple times, mm-hmm. more than a couple times. Well, um, and that makes for those awkward moments where you're sitting there trying to decide what you're... And this is where it goes back to managing the time as well, where you've got this play you want to make, but you don't know what card to pitch because they're all equally as important to the deck's core. And it's like, I, I, I need to keep this one, but which one, which one can I afford to get rid of now because I know I can recur it later. I know there's another one in the deck. There's two more in the deck. Like these are the decisions you have to make in this game, and you know, and that's why it goes back to testing the deck and the matchups. Knowing that if I'm playing on Mono Earth, I'm playing against Mono Ice. Can I pitch this guy to pay for something else? No. More times than not, no. You're not pitching your guys. You're not pitching your Yangs. Those guys are staying in your hand until you can play them, because that's how you beat that matchup. Now, if I'm playing against Mono Water maybe you can start thinking about pitching that guy for something else. Sometimes, maybe not. You know, what if uh, what if they play like an Ultimisha later or something? You know, maybe that guy's not effective anymore. you got to start thinking about the, the deck composition. Now, granted, if someone's playing Ultimisha in a mono water build, they're probably going to catch you slipping because uh, no one's really playing that right now. Yeah, I mean, you might run into that too. But again, you can't prepare for everything. It's not possible. Right, so. and, and, and you've got, so you've got two walls in your hand. Do you want to pitch one to pay for the other one, or do you want to have the mindset that you know what this guy's this guy's he's a removal target? Yep. Is he going to get removed? Do I do I put that one out there to bait out the removal, and then I play the other one? Like it, it, this is this is what you're testing. You're testing these interactions against the various decks to see how consistent your build's actually going to end up being, and and that's the important part. So it, it's it's a lot of reps. Like testing in this game is reps, reps. Reps, reps, <laughs> reps, and that's where you're going. And the more comfortable you become with the deck, the more matchups you see, the better you are going to do. I it's like the men's warehouse. <laughs> you're gonna like the way you look. I guarantee it. Yeah, it's like a loop. Like you keep doing it. It's like it's test, mm-hmm. change, test yep. again, change again, test, maybe change back, test. Yep. And just keep doing that until you refine it to a certain point where you feel like it's good. And then the big thing is the morning you wake up for the tournament, the morning you go, you know, know, give yourself the night before. If you're going to audible, give yourself the night before. But the day of, unless you're you're Andrew Lane right before the tournament, you know, really be prepared to have the deck that you've landed on that night, unless you lose sleep over it, Mm -hmm. be prepared to play that deck and just be comfortable with it. And just just know your outs, know your matchups. Like, be smart. Just be smart with your choice. You know, have faith in your deck choice. It's not like we're now we're doing like a self-help thing. <laughs> be strong with your deck choice. Feel good about yourself. But, you know, but that's the mindset you have to have. You have to get up that morning knowing that I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you beat yourself before the tournament even starts, you're just going to, you're going to lose. So, you know, that's why you did all that testing, you know. 
you know, LeBron, LeBron James, he's not Allen Iverson. He practices. He yep. goes to practice. You know, he gets ready for the postseason by practicing, by going through the motions, and it shows. He's also a freak of nature. But <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But that that's that's why testing and reps and practice is so important, especially in this game. Yep. And then, like you said, even after the tournament, it's not over. Because you're going to spend the rest of that day talking about it, whether you made the cut or not. You're going to start spending, you're going to spend the rest of the day wondering, what I mean, did I do wrong? What did I do right? What interactions did I play right? Yeah, you know? And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of end it on this because I don't want to drag too much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, after, after I'm out or whatever, the tournament's over, I, will, I assess myself first and foremost. Like, like you said, like, what did, you, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Were my tech choices good? Was mm-hmm. my deck just bad? Mm-hmm. Like, did I do that? Like, was, was, was that my fault? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I had that happen at like a local tournament that I won win a box where I was trying to play Fire Earth, and I was like, "Man, my deck sucked." Yep. And that was my fault. Mm-hmm. Like I put together a pile of crap. Yep. And it we just all didn't, done it. and it just didn't work. It didn't work like I envisioned it working. Yep. Um, and so, but like especially in Boston, like a big tournament, like okay, after after I've gone through that, I'm gonna I'm gonna start going around and talk to like people that like had success. Yeah. I'm gonna be like. What were you playing? Can I see what you played? Like, yep. how did this card work for you? Mm-hmm. Um, did it like over? Like, did it overachieve? Did it do what you thought it was gonna do? Did you have cards that didn't work? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what sucked? Um, why did you lose this one matchup? And mm-hmm. I'll try to like pick people's brains. Oh yeah. Like, because at the end of the day, like, <laughs> maybe it's like to form Voltron or some shit. Like, I wanna bring like bring as much of that to my play as I can. Oh, absolutely. Because if it worked for someone else, chances are it's probably good. Right, and they um, probably thought about it in a way that you weren't thinking yeah. of. So, I mean, and you can bring that back to the table, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for the deck that you played. It could be mm-hmm. for another deck. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a lot of ways to improve. Yeah, well, all I know is, and, you know, take with me what you, take with this what you will for anybody listening. And, you know, I've had great tournament success. I, I've, I've won a couple, but I have, I've, I've made the cuts in majors, but I haven't won a major, and I want to. That's the next, that's the next notch on my belt. But the mindset I have when I go to all of these tournaments, when I sit down in front and cross from my opponent, you know, all I want to do is look them in the face and say, I'll give you the first six points of damage for free, but you're going to fight me for the last one. Yep. You know, I have that mentality that we're going to exchange blows. It's going to be a slobber knocker. I'm not discounting what you're going to do, but I'm going to, you're going to fight me to beat me. And, you know, having if I'm able to pull ahead and just get, get away with the win without looking back, then, then I have the right mindset. If it's a close one, or if I get blown out, I still have the right mindset because I did the best I could for you to beat. You know, you had to beat me. You're not just going to roll over. I'm not going to roll over for anybody in a tournament. Oh yeah. You know, I won't scoop. I'm going to make you. T- I'm, I'm going to watch you take that last point of damage. I'm not going to be like, yep, you got it. I'm just going. I'm going to. I'm going. The game will finish to its conclusion. Yeah. Well, there's some situations where I will totally scoop, but it. Nope, really, I won't. Just wait till. Really wait till the end. Because I mean, when Anthony Figueroa drops drums on me and I was sitting at like five points of damage, I was like, "There's nothing I can draw that will even let me last two turns," and I know I'm dead. I'm gonna make him do it. I'm gonna make him swing. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll make him swing. So I mean, but, but the, the thing is, like, I just his board and, and Zemus. Like, I know yeah. answer for Zemus. So. Yeah, fair. A lot of good, a lot of good cards that are purple. <laughs> turns out. Yeah. But yeah, but like take with that, you know, and that's I, I urge everybody to do that. Like you know, when you're if you're going to any major tournaments, even if you're going to local tournaments and you want to perfect a deck, practice with it. Think about it. You know, whatever test group you're in, talk about the choices. Like I, me, I, me out in our group chat and the returners group chat, we are theory fighting like all like, it, if you if you're on the outside looking in, it looks like we're having arguments. 
but we're like talking about, well, you know, it, it's almost like Bill and Ted. If I go back in time and put this here, then you can do you know, it. It yeah. turns into that. Like it turns into, you know, if I have this card, you have this. This is going to happen because then it's like, well, no. But then you have, you know, it, it start the layers start showing up, and that gives us like the mindset to, well, you know what? Let's try that out. Let's see what happens when you put it in a deck. Let's let's put, you know, let's put, you know, rubber to road and see what happens. And a lot of times, you know, and sometimes I'm wrong. You know, sometimes he's wrong, but it's a matter of testing it out and seeing how the interactions go. Yep. And sometimes we're both dead ass wrong. <laughs> Old Matt Jordan rolls in and is like, "Nope, you should have done this from the start." Yep. So, and, and that's the whole, that's why having a test group and testing and t- you know, putting in the time and effort for it. Like, you know, if, if, there, if you know a tournament like we, like Kansas City, I know that's the next big one I'm going. Zorn and Thorn Cup's the next big one I'm going to. I know it's a local event, but it's yeah, a it's, it's the villain I, series. I, I, I mean, last, last time it was pretty big, and I, I don't want to go on a tangent, but last time it was pretty good size. It, it was a great size tournament, yeah. and um, that's what I'm preparing for now. Oh yeah, me too. Any Same. testing I'm doing, any decks I'm playing, other than maybe like, like because I think now on the Tuesday, since we're getting closer to that, I'm probably going to play a little more competitive decks. I'm not yeah. going to like play I mean, busted shit, but I'm going to play stuff that. I'm going to play decks with interactions I'm looking to play at this tournament. Yep. And in the last couple Tuesdays leading up to that, oh, you best believe I'm be playing <laughs> the decks that I'm looking forward to turn. But give yourself like a couple weeks. If you have a month notice, the minute you have that notice, play your fun decks. Oh. But you know, you set aside some 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 practice. I time. mean, I've been thinking about what to play for Kansas City for a month and a half. Oh, since they announced months. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's all about that. Like just giving yourself the most amount of time, like you said. Mm-hmm. And just knowing how to do it right. But um, but you know, hope you guys can get something out of this. I know it sounded kind of rambly, but it was a lot of it's a lot of mindset. Like testing for tournaments, it, it's you know it's ninety percent mindset and knowing where because once you once you figure out where you're going to start, the rest of the pieces will fall into place. But with that being said, we're probably going to sign off there. We got a couple things uh, coming up. Um, we have one more week for the uh, the saving giveaway. Yes, I think what we're going to do is next week probably announce. The winner of that, at some point, I'll reach out to whoever wins, probably through a YouTube message, since mm-hmm. you have to be a subscriber and you have to do the comment. Yep. So again, there's still time to enter the mm-hmm. contest. Uh, all you have to do is go comment on our previous podcast episode as of yep, right it now. Was, it was episode 8. Um, and leave a comment based on what we said in the episode, uh, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel, and then that energy to win. I think mm-hmm. right now, probably... We have a decent amount of entries, so I mean, it should be pretty cool, and then we're going to play that match out, and that should... Probably that'll probably be released next week sometime. Yeah, because yep, uh, we were we were gonna record that video today as well, but we were like, oh yeah, we got to put the starter decks back together, don't we? We're yeah. like, well, shit. Okay, well we'll figure that out, but it, it's going to happen because that's you know we want to be able to play that match and see who was right, and you know, and I think you know seeing some of the comments, we'd be like, oh yeah, you know what, homeboy was right, this person was right. Yeah. But uh, you know, we've got we got a lot of content coming down the pipe. We were we had a little bit of a lull there. We've got some more videos yeah. we're working on. We've just been busy. It's just a you know summertime. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, ideally I want to release one a week if I can. But, yeah, I mean, I don't want to fall behind or anything like that. Uh, and then, other than that, next week we're going to hit double digits yeah, for episode count. Ten, episode number 10. Um, that's, a, that's a big deal for us. So my plan is uh, probably going to start putting this on iTunes and stuff. So if you're listening to this, uh, try to... Even if you listen to it on YouTube or if you listen to it on SoundCloud, maybe you could give us a download maybe give us like a review or whatever it'll it'll help a lot to push people up the list on iTunes well, we'd be super super thankful if you did um, but that's probably going to happen like next week sometime so yeah I guess with that said uh, I think this has been a really good episode honestly. it's been good man just a very, very round table discussion and you know I, I like more like that where we can just kind of talk about what's on our brain and you know and 
feel free, um, you know, when this video comes up on YouTube, comment some of the things that you do um, when you test, you know, some of the mindsets you take. Or if there's a list you want to test and you're curious about it, go ahead and shoot it our way for yep. our Blitz Tech. You know, maybe we can, you know, kind of put our process of thought into it and maybe that'll help you out. Yep, and we're, yeah, we're starting to get through a lot of those, so yeah, just keep sending them our way for sure. Uh, so yeah, I guess with that, uh, we'll sign off for this week. Look forward to next week's episode. We're not really sure what the topic's going to be, but no, we'll, we'll definitely we'll, be there. We, we figure it out as we go. <laughs> That's, we're, we're, very, we're very much on the cusp like that. But uh, guys, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Yep. <laughs>